Good morning, Forever Family. We are moving through the Sundays between Easter and Pentecost. You know, and today the Lord has really pressed upon my heart that we should revisit the 23rd Psalms. Now, clearly this is this is a verse, and I'm talking 23rd Psalm, verse 1 through 6. This is something that I think almost everybody can recite, and it's probably, I'm going to go out on a limb here, it's probably the only scripture that everybody can recite in the King James Version. Doesn't matter what what version you read. Otherwise, this is one that I think, and again, I'm going out on a limb, I think that everyone knows the King James Version. So clearly, if you're hearing this message, you're unable to join us at our 11 o'clock service. So that's okay. We want you to come when you are able to come and, and worship with us in person. But until then, Let's worship right here together. So grab your cup of coffee, grab your glass of sweet tea, whatever it is. Let's settle in and let's hear what the Lord has to say to us today. Again, this morning's scripture is Psalms 23, 1 through 6. And some of you might be flipping to your, your Bibles or your Bible app, and some of you might already be reciting it. But let's dive in to the 23rd Psalm. And it begins, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thy are with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's lift our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, no matter where we roam, you are always providing for our needs, giving protection, guiding us, and you escort us through the valley. You never leave us in the valley. Even when the enemy wants to whisper that we're alone and you've abandoned us and you don't love us and we're worthless, you're always there. All we have to do is take our eyes off the enemy. The key, take our eyes off the enemy and put them back on you. Lord, as we dive into today's message, I pray that you reveal to each of our hearts the exact message that you need us to hear. We ask all things the precious and holy name of your Son, and all God's children said, Amen. So we've been talking about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus and how the disciples acted when they saw him risen from the grave. And this really sparked my heart. How would we react? Now, I know that's a question we can't answer until the day he returns. But until then, we are preparing for the day when he returns. You know, but there's 
there's something there's something that we can look at and decide how we react to the Lord, and that is the 23rd Psalm. You know, the Lord went from being God, God Almighty, in the beginning creator, to a shepherd, to the ultimate sacrificial lamb in the 23rd Psalm. And as believers, I believe that we live between the lines of God being our shepherd and our sacrificial lamb. So let's take a closer look at the 23rd Psalm. So first, the Lord, he sustains us. This is a declaration, and it's an immediate decision. There's results right away. Because David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Declaration. And I shall not want. That's the result. That's the decision. Everything is in God. You know, David thought about God, the God of Israel. As he thought about his relationship with God, he made this this analogy between the shepherd and the sheep. God's like the shepherd to David. And David is like the sheep to God. Now, this analogy is, is very common in the Middle East, the shepherd and the sheep. Because, let's face it, we're sheep. We're stupid. We all do stupid things. I bet we can look at our past and go, I can't believe I did that. But God never left us. Even in the middle of our foolishness, he was there guiding us. You know, this is also a, a familiar idea throughout the Bible, that the Lord is a shepherd to his people. There are many scriptures, and I'm going to run through them kind of quickly, but there are many scriptures that talks about this. The idea begins as early as the book of Genesis, where Moses called the Lord the shepherd, the stone of Israel. That's in Genesis 49. And in Psalms 28, David invites the Lord to shepherd the people of Israel and to bear them up forever. In Psalms 80, it also looks as, at the Lord as the shepherd of Israel, the one who would lead Joseph like a flock. In Ecclesiastes 12, it speaks of the word that derives from shepherd. In Isaiah 40, it tells us that the Lord will feed his flock like the shepherd does. He will gather the lambs in his arms. In Micah 7, it invites the Lord, the shepherd, your people, and your staff, just as it talks about in the days of old. And then we jump into Zechariah. Zechariah 13, it speaks of the Messiah as the shepherd who will be struck and the sheep will scatter. Wow, that, that is still the way I see today. There's so many attacks on the church and on faith and the sheep scatter. We don't stand up. We don't stand together. We don't support each other. I still see that happening today. So the idea of Jesus as the good shepherd was very precious to early Christians. And one of the uh, more common motifs at the catacombs paintings is of Jesus being the shepherd with a lamb carrying across his shoulders. And I don't know about you, but I can think of so many different churches with stained glasses with this exact replica, this picture Beautiful stained glass, all the vibrant colors, and there's Jesus right in the middle 
of all these vibrant colors. And there's a lamb. There's a lamb draped across his shoulders. But it's, it's remarkable that the Lord would even call himself a shepherd. In the time of David, David knows this all too well because he was a shepherd. The shepherd was the lowest of all works. If a family needed a shepherd, they sent out the youngest son, just like David. Just like they did with David. And it was not a pleasant assignment. But Jehovah chose to be our shepherd, as David says. The great God of all the universe came down and became a shepherd to take care of us. David knew this metaphor all too well. So the Lord is my shepherd. David knew this on like a personal level. David says my shepherd. He doesn't say the shepherd. He doesn't say our shepherd. My shepherd. For David, this is real and it was personal. There's a there's an overwhelming um, idea when I think of the word shepherd that it's the loving and the caring. And if we think about the foolish sheep, I can only think of how much patience the shepherd needs. But David felt that he needed a shepherd. So the next part of the verse says, I shall not want. For David, the fact that God's shepherd-like care took care of everything. Again, it was a declaration. I shall not want means I have all my needs supplied by the Lord. And it also means I decide not to desire more than the Lord my shepherd gives. Ouch. How many times have we stepped out of that line? But the shepherd sustains. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. The Lord as the shepherd knew that, that David needed rest when he needed it. And, you know, sheep are... Um, they're kind of hard to take care of sometimes. Sheep don't always lay down if they're uneasy. Um, they get anxious. They want to be grouped together. So if anything throws them off, they don't want to just lay down. But the Lord makes David lie down and get the rest. And the green pastors... The shepherds have to know exactly all the, all the good places for their sheep to rest and to eat. Now, we're talking about the green pastures, and I know here, you know, especially in Alabama, we have rolling hills of just huge fields of green pastures. But that wasn't really the case. They would have to move from rich green patch to rich green patch. That's what they considered pastors. And the part of the Psalms where it says, He leads me beside still waters. The shepherd knows when the sheep needs rest in green pastures and when he needs the still waters. This wonderful image is so sensitive to the comfort and care and rest. But the still waters also represent the calming of the storms in our lives. 
So the Lord, the Lord of the as a shepherd, He leads. Well, where does the shepherd lead us, and why? Starting in verse three, it says He leads. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. So He restores me. That's the first thing. But why does He lead me? He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. He restores my soul. This is very just petite hands on. God is has very tender hands when he is restoring us. He's not just taking a clump of clay and throwing it down on the board and starting to, to work it into a beautiful pot or vase or anything. He's very cautious. He's very tender with his hands. And so when he talks about also the verse of, he leads me in the path of righteousness. The shepherd is a guide. The sheep do not always know where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do. But we know that the shepherd does. And likewise, the Lord guided David through all of his hills and valleys. I mean, you look at the story of David. And if God can still restore him and anoint him in all the bad decisions he made, what makes you think God would give up on you for any bad decision you made? Let's look at the verse that says, In the path of righteousness. This is the leadership of the shepherd. Not only does he comfort us and restore us, as David explained, but he guides us in righteousness. God's guidance of David has that moral aspect. And we saw how he was restored after he walked through some really bad decisions. And then it says, for his name's sake. The shepherd guides us with this overarching view of glory, of everything that's going to happen. And as we walk it out and we're glorifying God, we're pointing people back to God when they see the change in us. So verse 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is a gift of a, a shepherd being in the present, in the now with us. And, you know, I walk through the valley. This is the first part of this darkness that David talks about in the 23rd Psalm. After the green pastures and the still waters and the path of righteousness, then we've got the valley of the shadow of death. The valley's not a mountaintop. It's not this big open pasture. But it suggests like a hedged-in, surrounded area. So the valley of the shadow of death, we're not actually facing death, but the shadow, the overcasting darkness. And that's where fear lies. That's where guilt and shame lies. That's where the enemy tries to make us so afraid that we would run from the path that God has put us on. So what David is saying is fear has outlined his path. It's a valley of the shadow of death that faces David 
as the ultimate defeat of evil. Okay, so, you know, I've, I've told so many people several times, we walk through the valley, but God never sends us anywhere that he hasn't already been and he's not present with us. And there's so many things that David went through that we might even be able to say that the shepherd's presence did his presence didn't eliminate the evil or the bad decisions, but it does take away the fear of the evil. So the scripture talks about your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the rod and the staff were instruments of protection. There is this idea of this sturdy walking stick. It's used gently most of the time to kind of guide the sheep, you know, put alongside the sheep and push them back so that they're not straying off. But it also is used for protection against predators. The Hebrew word for staff and rod, um, the Hebrew word for rod means stick. The Hebrew word for staff means support, as in walking stick. So they're basically talking about the same instrument. So verse 5. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. I love just this, just verse 5. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You know, this is, this is so, such a big visual for me that in the middle of all the, the chaos and everything that's trying to crush us, God prepares a table where he sustains us, gives us what we need. There's this huge banquet, just a huge spread on the table. And we're sitting there with all of our enemies, but we're protected. God's given us rest, given us time to eat and, and refuel but, you know, I've also told several ladies that are in, um, like, the recovery ministries, God will prepare a table for you in front of your enemies. And that's not to be boastful. What he is doing is he's showing your enemies, I provided all of this. I removed this child of mine from the jaws of death and set them down at a table, a banquet, a feast. I'm providing where the enemy was trying to destroy. You see, God's trying to give them a glimpse into what he can do if they turn away from the enemy. And it says, you anoint my head with oil. So what they would do was they would actually pour a very thick, heavy oil over the heads of the sheep. Because the gnats and things would get in their eyes and their ears and their nose and cause infection and disease. Well, in the same way that God anoints our head is a protection. You anoint my head and my cup runneth over. Despite the dangers and the presence of our enemies, David enjoys a rich, wonderful time where he is refreshed by the anointment of the oil being protected from the infectious thoughts and words and everything that the enemy tries to throw at him. But his cup runneth over because God never leaves him. 
and the last verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a blessing for our futures. You know, the host, God, the shepherd, he cares so much that he brought goodness and mercy to David. When we live faithful, we are surrounded by angels. And I think it's a a beautiful visual that goodness and mercy as two guardian angels walking behind David for protection and also guidance. If he veers off too far to the right, there's one angel. If he veers too far off to the left, there's another. But they follow him for all his days. Isn't that also very, very, um, very much how the Holy Spirit is? Goodness and mercy. And he's with us for all of our days. I love that visual. But most importantly, look at the Old Testament uh, thought process of eating and drinking at someone's table. That is a, a mutual bond of loyalty. Uh, it's also like um, uh, a token of the covenant. So to be God's guest is not just to be an acquaintance, but is to live with him in loyalty and in covenant. So there's so much more I would love to say about this scripture. Just these six little verses, they're, they're just packed with so much. But my question for you this morning, church, do we pretend to have it all together while we're looking foolishly and wandering around like sheep because we're trying to impress the other sheep? Or do we look to the shepherd for guidance, protection, and all of our needs? We need to... We need to either look to God or decide to do it on our own. We can't do it both ways. So are we doing it on our own or are we looking to God? Let's lift our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, it's by your stripes we are healed. And it's by your sacrifice that we're saved. But you, Lord, as the shepherd, as the Holy Spirit of goodness and mercy, with us for all of our days. Lord, that is the only way we can make it through this world. Lord, we pray that as we go forward, that this message pierces each of our hearts. And Lord, I ask that you teach us how to walk it out so that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not boastfully, but with our eyes fixed on you. And when we sit at the table that you prepare for us, Before our enemies, we are not boastful. We're pointing people to you, to the Redeemer, to the Shepherd, who would leave everything to go find the one lost sheep because that's what you did for each of us. And now we pray with one voice as you taught your disciples to pray so long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. All God's children said, Amen. Church, please know I'm praying for each of you as we travel through the spiritual journey together. I pray that we'll have many experiences um, being able to worship together and also being able to be God's hands and feet as he guides us and directs us. So until next time, speak life, be a blessing, put your faith feet into action to cause a positive ripple effect. Much agape, everybody.